I don't care if the house is packed or the strings of light are broken. I don't care if the gifts are wrapped or there's nothing here to open. Love is not a toy and no paper can conceal it. Love is simply joy that I'm home. I don't care if the carpet's stained, we've got food upon the table. I don't care if it's gonna rain, our little room is warm and stable. Love is who we are, and no season can contain it. Love would never fall for that. We sing ooh. Good evening. Hello, spiritual family and friends, and thank you, Christopher, and thank you to everybody. You know how many people it takes to put on Christmas Eve? It's a whole lot of hands and hearts, and it's so wonderful. It fills my heart with warmth and joy to be here. We've enjoyed quite a number of Christmas Eves together, some of us. It's getting up there, and I look forward to it every year, and I'm always amazed that we pull it off, that it happens. And if something didn't go according to plan, I apologize. We'll make it better in about 30 years' time. 
There is something about pausing and gathering as we are gathering in spiritual uh, community like this and to entertain the idea that if the world is to be a better place, it's going to have to be through love and compassion and not through violence and war. That's part of why we gather. So I want to tell you a story. It was reported in the New York Times. It featured a story about an event from the early 1900s, an event that's been come to know, be known as the Christmas Truce. And although the details of the event are disputed, well, like you know, any story that's over 100 years old, the details are going to be disputed. The underlying message of the story is still relevant, especially given the global events today. So for some context, before the outbreak of the First, four, First World War in 1914, there were several peace initiatives in place, notably um, the Open Christmas Letter, which was a letter addressed to the women of Germany and Austria, and was signed by the British suffragettes. And also Pope Benedict, I believe the 15th, he called for a ceasefire, and he implored, saying, let guns fall silent, at least upon the night that the angels sing. However, these requests were rejected by all sides. Then on Christmas Day, 1914, just five months into the war, something extraordinary and unexpected happened on the Western Front. Soldiers from opposing sides engaged in a spontaneous and unauthorized act by ceasing hostilities right on Christmas Day. Eventually, they emerged from their trenches, taking a huge risk to come out from where they were safer to share resources and some say even playing games and caroling together. It was a remarkable moment of shared humanity. I'm imagining how it might have been. German soldiers cautiously planting candles on the edge of their trenches, setting up trees, the story said, and then they sang carols, and apparently the British troops then responded by singing their English version of carols, and this led to both sides exchanging Christmas greetings, shouting them out from the trenches, and then eventually someone was brave enough to step out into the open and turn these sentiments into a real, albeit brief, experience of peace. This is a difficult Christmas Eve for me. Think about this story, and it reminds me of what's going on today. The global community is calling for a ceasefire in the Middle East. But as in 1914, the governing powers don't seem to be inclined to go that way. So it feels a little discordant, jarring, to be singing about a cozy, happy holiday. I must be frank with you. Feels difficult when what is happening in the very area where the Christmas story took place is horrific. There is a humanitarian crisis of immense proportions unfolding in that land which for centuries was a convergence of different faiths and cultures. 
So I find myself on this Christmas Eve with a renewed interest in this idea of stopping conflict. Whether that's internal conflict, family conflict, global, regional, personal, whatever it is, doing what I can to pause and especially to be with people I love, with my spiritual community, and then to imagine a better world for all while embracing the idea that if the world is to be a better place, I'm going to likely have to be brave enough to play a part in it. The global vision that inspires our spiritual community, it describes a world that is free from homelessness and violence and war and hunger for everyone. And to turn this vision into a reality is, well, it requires courage. The the courage to step out from the comfort zone. Not as much courage as the soldiers needed to climb out of their trenches and not as much courage as the civilians in war-torn cities have. But still, it does take courage for us who are watching to face what is happening in Gaza and not turn our heads away. And it takes determination to look and to seek information that would lead us to understanding. Today's media coverage of what is happening in the Middle East reminds me of the Christmas true story too, which initially was unreported. And it was only when the first-hand accounts of soldiers in their letters home, reached home, that the public started to become aware of what was happening, what had happened. Like it was like a sort of early 20th century version of social media, right? And that part of the story reminds me that we the people always have the power to raise our consciousness and to raise our awareness through our communication with each other. And it takes bravery to talk about it. But today, we have access to the reports of people whose feet are on the ground in that area who are telling us what is happening and crying out for a ceasefire. In the 1914 Christmas True Story, this act of fraternization was later condemned with an official statement, a declaration that branded such interactions as treasonous. Talking about the Middle East can be intimidating, scary. Because there is a prevailing idea that if you do not agree with those in power, then it means that you must be filled with hatred. And there are those who are expressing disagreement, who are experiencing their voices being silenced. But disagreement is not dangerous. Censorship and oppression are. I'm thinking of my grandmother tonight, who taught me so many things. 
And I'm remembering something I share frequently about her that she told me. She said, Edward, I will love you forever. And no matter what you do, nothing will ever stop me from loving you. And of course, I would try to test her love <laughs> because I'm, I was that kind of child. You know. And then as a young man, I did something that even my beautiful grandmother couldn't accept. And coincidentally, it was at Christmas time. And, and I upset the whole family. And I remember she said to me something like this, Edward, I love you no matter what. And what you have done is wrong. I learned a lesson that day. I learned that she could stand with me while at the same time not agreeing with my actions. I learned that standing unconditionally for love does not mean becoming mute in the presence of wrongdoing. I learned that love does not mean agreement. And so I find myself on this Christmas Eve revisiting that lesson and reminding myself and anyone who finds resonance with this reminder that if you disagree with something or if you are opposed to something, your disagreement and opposition does not mean that your heart is full of hatred or that you are immoral. It may very well mean that you are so filled up with love that you cannot abide what is going on. Amen. Yeah, the fact is that a heart filled with love cannot turn its gaze away from suffering. Not when nearly 20,000 human lives are lost. That's like the whole city of Ukiah. Gone. No matter what the reason, no matter who is right and who is wrong. And the Christmas season amplifies our feelings of love. That's what it does. It causes us to feel our compassion more deeply and right at those moments when we might want to turn away because the pain is too much to bear. I understand the fear of becoming overwhelmed by what is going on. I've felt it. I've wanted to numb myself out and stay safe and focus only on the close circle of my loved ones. I want that. But don't you know, there is something inside that causes a person to feel restless when they look away from and ignore cries for help. What is that? It's love. It's the self within, the seat of compassion that is in us. And it will disturb us and continue to call us back every time we look away in dark times. And yes, it takes tremendous courage to answer the call of love. 
It does. Yet it is exactly what Christmas is about. Or can be. In 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow penned the famous poem, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It was two years after the tragic death of his wife in a fire, a a tragedy so severe uh, that Longfellow himself was burned, and burned so badly that he couldn't even attend her funeral. And his despair was so intense that he wrote that he feared that he would become institutionalized, which was the common recourse for mental illness at the time. Added to that, the United States was in the throes of civil war, and it seemed like we would destroy ourselves. And Longfellow's oldest son was severely wounded, paralyzed, and his survival wasn't certain. So in his anguish, Longfellow wrote his famous lines on Christmas morning to express his despair. But in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to all. However, On that same Christmas day, it was the sound of Christmas bells ringing from local churches that sparked in him a glimmer of a remembrance of something. And in his darkest moments, darkest moment, those bell sounds woke in him the courage to keep on keeping on, to keep going, and not to give up hope on the vision of peace and goodwill for all. And he tells us about that in his poetry, saying that there is nothing that could drown out his inner conviction and his belief in right and the enduring power of love. For me, Christmas is about that. It's not about dogmatic truth. It's not about historical accuracy. It's not about religious dominance or cultural tribalism. It's more like the tradition of those soldiers in the trenches pausing, ceasing hostility, and reconnecting with humanity. It's more like the remembering that Longfellow had, the remembering that we have the capacity to hear and answer the call of love and to come back to it. Now, this tradition of pausing, whether it's global conflict, personal conflicts, whatever it is, the idea of pausing to envision a better world, it's ancient. It goes back even to the Middle Ages when it was known as a truce for God. When warring parties paused on a schedule... At the center, we too have a tradition of pausing, pausing to light a candle, symbolizing, as you heard Reverend Russ say, whatever personal intention you might have. This year, I'm lighting my candle to shine some light on the sadness that is in my heart 
and to remind myself to keep listening for the bell call of love and to remind myself to continue being courageous and willing to learn and willing to tell the story of those enduring immense suffering right now, this Christmas Eve. There is something else about the Christmas story that resonates with me. The suggestion that if the divine were to come to earth in human form, it would most likely be as a humble figure born in the Middle East, born in a barn rather than a mansion. And this figure would likely challenge authority and oppose the commercialization of spirituality and advocate for the oppressed and live simply and confront hypocrisy and speak to inequality just like we learn in the biblical account of Jesus and how we learn through the message of the mystics of all times and across traditions. So tonight, I light my candle also to remember Jesus' story, whether historically accurate or not, I don't know. But I do know that his story has taught me that a heart full of Christmas love cannot bear to look away from suffering. Oh.